Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment you're nailing it and the next you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. This is Dr. Laura Froyan, and I just wanted to hop on real quick to chat with you about why your four-year-old might be having a hard time right now. Uh, So I've been noticing in a lot of the groups that I'm in, um, parenting groups, uh, that um, people with four and a half year old kids are struggling right now. Well, it's not that they're struggling, but their kids are struggling. And of course, when our kids are struggling, that makes us struggle too. Um, So folks are seeing a lot of distress in their four-year-olds. They're seeing a lot of um, kind of discontent, um, more acting out behaviors, more attention-seeking behaviors, which really we can really think about as connecting behaviors, our connection-seeking behaviors. Um, And they are in general, just having a harder time with this than some of the other kids. And there are some really um, key pieces to the development developmental stage that uh, four-year-olds are at right now that's making this hard. So this is hard for them for a reason. Uh, and so I posted about this on my page and in my groups, and um, I got a lot of comments, a lot of people whose uh, four-year-olds are struggling, and you all had some really great ideas about why that might be. Um, things like lack of routine or being off the rhythm, um, not seeing the people that they're used to seeing and having kind of those changes and upheavals. Um, those are absolutely hard for four-year-olds. Um, four-year-olds really do need stability and rhythm for few really important reasons. I'm going to address some of the key developmental reasons why this is harder on them than it is on maybe other older or younger kids. So key reasons why your four-year-old or kids in that three to five range might be really struggling with social isolation and the changes that our world is experiencing right now. So the first reason is um, part of where their brain is in terms of development. Um, So they are in um, new brain processes are coming online. They're developing more and more emotional regulation, more and more self-regulation, but they are still very other regulated. They're still regulated very highly by their environment um, and by their schedules and kind of the rhythm of the day. They depend on those things to um, regulate their body and their physiological processes so that they can devote time and energy to things that are important to them like reading and or sorry not reading but playing mostly Um, and when their world is disrupted they are disrupted they're still really open to the regulation or dysregulation of others 
And so I think that that piece of it is really important. Um, kids in the three to five range are still really in touch with us as parents. They're still in that process of moving from being other regulated, like as babies, they really rely on somebody else to regulate all of their physiological and body processes. Um, and in the three to five range, they're making that transition, but four-year-olds aren't there yet often. Um, and so on the one hand, they are they're struggling right now because of that, because of where they are physiologically and biologically and kind of in terms of brain development. The other key piece about this too is that um, from an attachment perspective, um, they are not often yet able to derive a sense of security and stability from an attachment figure um, that isn't present with them in the moment. So um, this is why kids in this age range often have trouble saying goodnight um, at bedtime because they aren't able to keep their mom or their dad or their, you know, their their loved one in their mind and in their hearts and get security from them. Um, that's why we see a lot of delay tactics happening at bedtime. And now when kids are being separated from maybe their caregivers that they used to go to every day or from a grandparent, there is a, they are less able than older kids to derive a sense of security and stay connected to their loved ones when they are at a distance. Um, so we can put in some practices in place that help them um, really kind of solidify that, um, that connection and make them a, more able to um, derive security from the idea or the mental representation of a person. Um, so books like The Kissing Hand or The Invisible String, both of which you can get on Amazon, um, and I think The Invisible String you can get on Kindle too, and those books make our parents or our loved ones love concrete something that's tangible that they can hold and see. And there's other ways to do that. Like my, um, we do, I, my four-year-old likes to do kissing hands every night to keep us connected. Um, but um, some of my clients, um, one of my clients, um, children at this age really love to pick out a piece of jewelry from her mother's jewelry box. And that's how she would kind of hold on to her mother's love, hold on to her mother while she was at home and then, or while she was in bed and going to sleep. And then it allowed her to separate with confidence. One practice that has worked really well in my family in the past when my older one was in this stage um, was to create a rice sock um, that uh, she got to pick out. She picked out one of her socks. We filled it with rice um, and with lavender, dried lavender and with chamomile. Um, so it smells really nice. Uh, and as we were doing it, we, we talked about, okay, so this rice is the, um, that as we're putting it in, and this is my constant love. This is my, the love for you that I feel kind of always. Um, this lavender are the warm hugs that I give to you. Um, and then the chamomile, which looks like a little ball of sunshine. Um, these are the things, um, these are the little pieces of love that um, are when we're happy and being silly together. And so we put them all into the sock, tie it up, um, and at night you can pop it into a microwave and it can be super warm. Um, with, you know, for 30 seconds they can have this nice warm thing to hug snuggle with. Now, if they're, if they're missing the people that they love, if they're missing grandparents who normally take care of them or a caregiver who, um, you know, a school teacher, um, and they're missing those things, they, 
that comes out in ways that looks like misbehavior. It looks like tantrums. It looks like yelling. It looks like hitting. Um, so finding out if they are missing people and then putting into practice some way to make that person's love, the connection, the relationship that they have with that person that they're missing tangible um, to help them feel more grounded, having a place. This is what lovies and security objects are all about, right? And our kids naturally and wisely choose them. Um, but sometimes we have to help them be explicit in that process. And so that might be one thing that's happening for your kids in this three to five range right now. Um, and then another piece of it um, that is also important. So we talked about um, kind of brain development and how they're still in the process of being moving from other regulated to being self-regulated. And if they are picking up on our stress and we are dysregulated, they're very open to that. They're very open to being influenced by our stress levels. So the other piece of this that's really important is if you have a kid who you can tell is, is experiencing disruption because of what's going on, and many of them are, really looking at yourself, how am I showing up? What is the emotional environment of our home right now? What am I putting off that they might be picking up on? How can I have really firm boundaries around what's kind of going on in me? And I am not talking about stuffing it down and holding it together. Sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes our needs as parents have to go on the back burner. That's just how it is. You know, the like, that's just life with, with kids. But um, we're not talking right now about stuffing. Parents are having a really hard time right now. We are not supposed to be doing this alone. We are not supposed to be at home with our kids 24-7 a day. It, it's not the way we are biologically wired to do things. Um, so find a way to take care of yourself. Find a way to not stuff your stress, but to regulate it. And let that regulation be what your kid is seeing. Let them see you regulating it. Let them see you taking care of yourself. Let them see you making sure you go outside every half hour and take five deep breaths out in Mother Nature. Do whatever it is that needs to happen, you know, for you to feel more regulated, let them see it doing it and let them borrow your regulation because they're feeling dysregulated right now and they don't have the skills to full and the, the brain development fully on board yet to be able to regulate themselves in these moments of high stress. Um, so lend them your regulation and you can only do that if you are well regulated yourself. So take good care of yourself. And then the other piece of this that I think is really important for kids in this three to five range um, is the social development piece. So kids in this age range are, um, they are just starting to kind of, at, at three, they're just really entering the process of developing friendships. Um, they are starting to engage in more cooperative play. They are really starting to enjoy imaginative play with their friends and with their peers. Um, and so kids, especially four-year-olds, um, even introverts, so maybe the introverts are doing a little bit better because they're at home and they feel good. But if you've got an extroverted four-year-old who's just discovered the joys of a best friend or the, um, you know, the joy of playing with a group of kids, I um, mean, they've just started to learn to how like how to do that how to negotiate play how to how to work together to play how to come up with games together um, they're in this place where they are being biologically driven to develop that form of play 
race, that form of play is one of the ways that they learn about social skills. It's how they learn about the importance of, you know, interactions and how to kind of be in as a functioning member of our society. And there's a biological drive that's embedded into the code of our DNA that's happening, like, like it's getting activated for kids in that three to five range. Um, there's a purpose to that that cooperative play that they are seeking out. And if they're suddenly in a situation where that's being limited, where they aren't able to get that practice that they need, that they're being, that their body is kind of driving them to do, that's really upsetting and discouraging and uh, discombobulating. Oh, I love that word. We don't get to say that word enough. Um, it's really discombobulating to a kid. So imagine this. So think about when your kid was learning to crawl or learning to walk. And um, they were being so driven by, I don't know if you had this happen with your kids, but both of my kids, when they were in that process where they were almost crawling or almost walking, they like almost couldn't sleep. They would like get up in the middle of the night and just do that like rocking thing on all fours, like, and launch themselves into their crib bars. Like they were being biologically driven to learn to gain that skill, right? And it kind of got in the way of everything else. That's what's happening in terms of social development for kids in this age range, in this three to five age range. And so when they're being confined and being stopped from being able to do it by social distancing and social isolation, it's super hard for them. Um, and, you know, kids at three they is really where they start being able to um from a um, brain development place being able to engage and interact over screens when they get really good at that um kind of talking back and forth but they're still they're still not that great at it so they might need some help and support so if you're finding your kid is an extrovert and they're having trouble you know they're struggling with their social um kind of socialization piece of it you might need to help them have interactions, have virtual play dates, um, get on Zoom with some of their classmates. Um, and you might need to provide some structure to that because they aren't flexible thinkers enough in order to be able to um, kind of know what to do with that time. And their language is still very much play. So an older kid, a six or seven year old, they have the language processing like the verbal skills to be able to sit and chat with a friend or chat with a grown up, um, you know, like a grandparent or an aunt that they are talking to. Four-year-olds and three-year-olds really don't have that. And so they might need a lot more support and a lot more structure. Um, so some tips to get them the social um, and the social stimulation that they're needing, um, making sure that um, you are giving them something to do. So the other person on the other end, um, end of the screen, make sure that they have some toys or some things ready, giving them structure to the interaction, like playing a game like charades or something. If you both have a board game that they enjoy playing, you guys can play it together over a screen. Just get out like Candyland or whatever the game is um, and set up each other's pieces and move the pieces for each other so you can still play it together. But providing some structure for that interaction can be really helpful for kids in this age range. Um, and then the other, the last piece of it um, that I wanted to just touch on is that kids in this three to five age range, especially like four and a half, you know, um, they are much more aware than the younger kids, than the toddlers. They're much more aware of kind of what's going on. They're more keyed into the conversations that adults are having around them or news reports. Um, but um, kids on the older end of the spectrum, the you know, the five, six, and sevens um, have higher cognitive processing skills. They are more reasonable, they're more logical, um, and they understand more. They're able to understand what 
going on. And so kids in this three to five range are in this really specific point in development where they, they're, um, they, their brain has allowed them to become much more aware of their broader and outer surroundings, their outer world. They've really developed a firm sense of their own self, um, of who they are, and that what they're thinking and feeling is, you know, they're working on thinking, you know, what they're thinking and feeling is different than, the, than what's outside. Um, but they aren't as good at making sense of things, of meaning making. Um, so helping them come up with narratives, with scripts about what's happening. Narratives and scripts and stories that are grounded in safety and security and stability um, and that are empowering. So when you talk about this with your kids this age, help them make sense of what's going on and help them come up with a meaning-making process for it. So if you're telling them, you know, that we're not going outside right now because there's some germs and we're trying to, um, you know, not get those germs on us, um, that doesn't make a lot of sense to kids their age. So you need to give them more. So there are germs, and if um, lots of people are going out, those germs can get passed from hand to hand. And so um, we're not in danger of getting sick, but other people in our lives um, need us to stay home. So we're staying home to keep other people safe. This is something really important that we can do to keep other people safe. And you know, and then kind of go off into the positives for you too that you get, are getting to spend this time together. Um, but really give them a story, um, a narrative that kind of the lines for them to tell themselves. And kids in the younger end of that spectrum aren't as good about thinking in their own head. They're still developing their internal voice. And so that means they're still really open to our influence. So we can help them uh, create the message of this time. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.